Oh, what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. On the show today, we're talking backup quarterback Kent Graham of Giants, Cardinals, Redskins, Jaguars, Texans, Lions, fame. And we're also chatting with comedian Anthony DeVito. You can follow him on Instagram at comedian Anthony DeVito. You might know him from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert as a writer from The Break with Michelle Wolf on Netflix and many other really cool things that he has done. Uh, he has a one-man show coming up on August 14th called My Dad Isn't Danny DeVito or Danny DeVito Isn't My Dad. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's a great show. It's going to be great. We talked about it in the interview. You can get the Eventbrite link and purchase tickets right now if you're in the New York area on his Instagram page. Again, that's at comedian Anthony DeVito. A hilarious, funny dude. You're going to see for yourself as you listen. But get to that show on August 14th. Also, my wife, Liz Galalis, drops in. At Liz Galalis on Instagram and Twitter. Give her a follow. And my friends, Maddie and Smitty from the Sports and Shit Pod. You can follow them on Twitter at sports, the letter N, shit pod. Very quickly, before we get into it, I've got a couple dates at the Back Alley Bar. That's on Tuesday. June 22nd in Fullerton, California. I'm getting up for a set there. It's a free show. And then on Saturday, uh, June 26th, I'm at the Comedy Chateau for the Val Show, where I am headlining. That's a 7 p.m. show. It's a great lineup. Uh, although the fact that I'm headlining, maybe maybe it's not a great lineup. I don't know. Don't make me say it. I'm headlining. Just come out to see that. Holy shit. You're going to make me make it about me. I'm headlining a show at a comedy club Get your ass out there on Saturday night. We're going to have a great time. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the show up to this point. We're 21 episodes in. I'm super excited. There's actually a huge announcement on the podcast today. So you're going to hear it in about 20 minutes. Stay tuned for it. Thank you for everything. Wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Jizzbucket. Is that one? I don't know. It could be. Probably not. Subscribe, all right? We got big shows coming up. Like I said, big announcement here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Enjoy the show. Let's do it. This is Bringing the Backups with Eric Helwig. Oh, welcome in. Welcome to the show. What a show it is. How echoey is my voice in my new office? You like it? Hello, hello, hello. Little echoey in the new office. There's zero furniture in here. All right, I've got like my desk. I bought a big ass desk to, to have an office. And it's so I'm like Scarface. But, there's, but then there's no other furniture in the entire room. And it's, what's weird is it's the master bedroom of this, this condo that I bought and now live in, in North Hollywood. So it's, the, it's supposed to be the master bedroom, so it's a pretty big bedroom. But we're using the smaller bedroom for our bedroom, and then this room is going to be like my office slash guest room. It, it's, I'm not going to get into the logic of why we're using the master bedroom as an office, but it's, there's logic there, I swear, okay? It's just not podcast-worthy talk. But the point is, I'm in a big-ass room with no furniture to absorb sound. So I'm super like, I'm very, I'm very self-conscious that, that, that the echo is going to be, it's going to make this podcast unlistenable, all right? So hopefully it's not that bad. A little bit later, I'm going to be chatting with comedian Anthony DeVito, a hilarious comic. We'll be chatting with him. Also, a little bit later, 
Kent Graham. We're talking Kent Graham on the podcast. We'll have some friends come into the show. You guys, you guys know Maddie and Schmitty. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Have they been on the show? Well, no. Well, I mean, they will be on the show. In my mind, they've already been on the show because they sent me a thing to put on the show months ago. But for you guys, you're like, who the fuck are Maddie and Schmitty? Well, they're friends of mine that are on the show today. Also, my wife, Liz. You guys know her. My wife, later on the show, is going to do a little promo for a show she's on that doesn't sound like a real show, but it is. So, yeah, anyway, we got some, we got some fun stuff coming up. I had, a, I had a nice couple weeks huh, since I've talked to you last time. I always, in my mind, I always feel like it's been a week since the podcast dropped, but it's been two weeks. I have to always go back in my calendar to remind myself what happened two weeks ago. And, and that's also a lie. I have to go back in my calendar to remind myself what I did this morning. I have the worst fucking memory of anybody I know. But I did have a good week. I did two more virtual shows. Why do I keep saying yes to virtual shows? One of my buddies uh, hosted a show on Clubhouse. <laughs> so I went on uh, went on Clubhouse and bombed on Clubhouse. I, I can't I can't tell when you're when you're bombing virtually. It's it's a specific type of sadness that hits you because it's like usually like when you're, when you're done with the show and you've if you've bombed in front of people you go backstage there's the other comics you go get a drink you have a little drive home to decompress and by the time you arrive back home you you've you've already washed the the stench of failure off you and to be honest the longer you do comedy the the, the less that time takes it used to be you'd carry a bad show with you for like a week when you were just starting out but, you know, you you're get to be a little more professional where I'm at now. You know, 15 minutes and you're over it, you know? You've got other, thing to, other things to think about. But when you bomb a virtual show, you just sign off on the show and then you're in your dark bedroom and you're like, oh, I, I'm sad. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no buffer back to your real life. You're just immediately back into it and you're like, why the fuck did I say yes to that? So, yeah, I bombed a virtual show and then I had a second virtual show. And I crushed. Had somebody message me after the show, sent them my podcast. They listened to a couple episodes, told me they liked it. And I was like, holy shit, virtual shows are great. I met a man. I met a British man that lives on the East Coast that now likes my show. So you know what? Fuck what I've been saying about Zoom comedy. It's the greatest thing. There's like lies we tell ourselves about inventions. Like we say, like, oh, the internet's great because you can connect with so many people. But you know, now we see it's obviously destroying all of us. We're like, maybe it's not so good. Maybe it was better where if you needed to really communicate something to someone more than three miles away, you use smoke signals, or you had a wagon and you had to like, you know, somehow get it across a river. Like, like, like that took you a full day to get five miles away there was wilderness separating you from the next town you only i was i can't remember where i heard it it was probably uh it was i know where i heard it. it was on the fucking joe rogan experience i just don't want to keep saying that over and over on the podcast because it's i feel like it's too revealing of how little i read but it was something about how you're not supposed to know that many people <laughs> like you're like the like a, the human mind the human heart whatever the human soul it's like once you know more than 17 people, you're dead inside. Like, that's basically it. Like, we're still supposed to be... I mean, I read the first 200 page of Sapiens three years ago, and the only thing I kept from it is that we never should have built cities. We should have remained foragers, <laughs> carried everything on our backs, and just kind of moved with the seasons. So, 
I guess what I'm saying is uh, these Zoom comedy shows are shit. But also, I got a new fan. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. And what am I, what am I really going to complain to? What would my podcast be if, the, if I was just in a little group of 16 people? Not, it'd, be, it'd be like, bring in the buffalo herder, and there'd be like, my podcast would just be me talking to the other 15 people at the campfire, and if I tell a joke one of them doesn't like, they'll kill me with a rock while I'm sleeping. To me, that is the, that's what comedy should be. It's like, you should be able to shit on something and also know that you are fully part of it and also a complete hypocrite. That's, it's okay to be a hypocrite. A lot of comedians think that comedy is now about uh, letting people know your opinion on every issue that comes up Google Israel Palestine for 15 seconds and then start tweeting. That's like that's like a comedian's journey in 2021. But before that, it used to be just making people laugh. All right, enough of this. I went to my first live sporting event about a week ago. It was awesome. Dodger Stadium went with a buddy of mine. Had some great seats. Fourth row. Left field, right where they hit home runs. Nobody hit a home. Well, did somebody hit a home run? Yeah, but they, all the whole home runs were righties that got pulled, unfortunately. Pulled to the other right field, but whatever. I'll take it. Um, it was, they were great seats. You were, you were really, like, very even with the players. It was fun. I was wearing my uh, Philly stuff. The Phillies were in town, so I, I repped. And uh, the Dodgers are a significantly... Better. I mean, every player on the Dodgers feels like they would be the best player on the Phillies. Like, their pinch hitter comes up, I'm like, that would be our franchise right now. I mean, our franchise is Bryce Harper, who appears to be insane. And then after that, we have, like, it's like our, we have, like, a double-A baseball team. So, yeah, we, we lost uh, soundly in the game. Although, with baseball, it's like, it's, it doesn't even matter. They play so many goddamn games. That when you go to a game, it's like, oh, if a team's great, like a great team like the Dodgers, you're like, this team's dominant. They're going to win 70% of their games this season. That's a dominant season. That means because it's baseball, they're still going to lose like 80 games because they play, I think I have the math right here, 13 billion games every season before the playoffs start. So even, (laughs) even the great teams lose a shit ton of games. So it's not like even a bad team can... Any given Sunday. For baseball, it's any given day. But the, it, it was not the Phillies' day. They got their asses kicked. And I, I, I want to say, like, as a 35-year-old man, I feel like I've really calmed down in opposing team stadiums. I remember when I was a kid, I used to just really, like, I would go to Baltimore and be like, Cal Ripken sucks! And just, scr- like, whoever their hero was, I would just go after their hero. And, and yeah, I, was, I, just, I guess I just didn't have a fear of getting my ass kicked. But now at the age of 35, like, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm starting to die. Why would I speed up the process by screaming at Dodgers fans? I mean, if I really want to speed up the process, I'll wear a Giants hat and get stabbed in the parking lot. Isn't that how it goes? Isn't that what, there's some sort of thing going on between the Dodgers and the Giants that, but yeah, I, I behaved myself at the game. It was, it was amazing. I, I, I literally started crying. Brad Paisley came out and sang the national anthem. I had tears streaming down my face. It's just so fucking beautiful to be in a stadium with tens of thousands of people watching a game. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you, California. Enough commercials of people dancing to piano music. More we get to go to baseball games and not wear a cloth thong over our face. We're open, baby. The game was awesome. 
Anyway, look, enough, enough. There's the intro, all right? Now let's get to the part where I do a little bit. You get a little pre-planned bit action, and we get into Kent Graham. And you know why, because the sooner we get into Kent Graham, the sooner we can get into another pre-planned bit, and then some more stuff from my life, and then the interview, which is, I think, the part people are waiting for. I don't fucking know. Let me know the part of the podcast you're waiting for. EricHillWithComedy at gmail.com. Right into the show. And while you're doing that, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star review. It's a beautiful, echoey show about mediocre quarterbacks from the 90s. We're going to get to ours right now, Kent Graham. That is after a pre-planned bit. Here we go. Enjoy it very much. Very much. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it whatever level you fucking want to. Bring in the Backups presents Letters Home from the Bench. November 1st, 2004. Chad Hutchinson writes, Dear Julia, How I treasure recollections of us intertwined. Today I led my men as quarterback for the Rhine Fire in Germany. This European League of American football was designated to me by my commanding luminary, Jerry Jones. Mr. Jones has made it certain that I'll achieve restoration with my treasured cowboy countrymen, but only if I'm able to refine my throwing mechanics here in Deutschland. Julia, I feel consternation over this decree. I think that leather-faced snake oil salesman has been double-dealing me while carrying on with his captain of choice, Georgian legend Quincy Carter. I suppose time will tell. I cannot halt my feelings of ebullience to graze my fingertips to your cheek, Julia. My heart. It sings for you from beyond the bounding main. I pray you hear it. Forever yours, Chad. A beautiful tale from Chad Hutchinson. Let's get into Kent Douglas Graham. Kent Graham, baby, huh? Is he a, a, a Cardinals? Love him. Giants fans love him. Jaguars, don't remember him. Steelers, probably hated him because he competed with uh, Slash, Cordell Stewart, for a little bit. One of Cowher's worst moves, I think, was probably to go Graham over Stewart for a couple weeks there in the 2000 season. You know, uh, then where do you think he was somewhere else? The Texans? He was on the Washington football team for his last season in the league, as I recall. His last playing days, I should say. We'll get to all of it. I'm going out of order. Let's start with his birth. <laughs> he was born out of his mother on November 1st, 1968. Played at Notre Dame for one season, his freshman year, and then left for Ohio State because Lou Holtz, remember that crazy bastard? Uh, he was the coach at Notre Dame, and they were running an option, a run, option run offense, which was not good for this cement-footed uh, son of a bitch, Jeff Graham, uh, Jeff Graham. Ken Graham is very slow. When you watch him in highlights, he really, he's got like Bledsoe-like 
<laughs> reaction time. Not a fast man. You know, Tom Brady, like athleticism. Imagine Tom Brady without the career success, but like that draft body and those that, that 40 time. That's Kent Graham. Shitty Tom Brady. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he wasn't a fit in uh, what Notre Dame was doing, so he transfers to Ohio State. And then the Buckeyes in the 91 season go 8-4. and four. There you go. There you go, Kent Graham. And by the way, something else I noticed, he's 24 his rookie season in the NFL, which means he would have been 20 starting college, which means did Kent Graham do like so many other quarterbacks on this show and get held back a year to dominate younger competition? I don't know. I don't know, Kent. Something to follow up on. Anybody who knows Kent Graham in real life? Did you get held back, Kent? What a it's it's such a it's such a weird combination of shitty and brilliant to just hold those kids back. But it looks like he might have been one just based on the fact I don't think he got redshirted. I don't see that anywhere here on his Wikipedia page. And he's twenty four as a rookie, so you know. He's not Chris Winkie level. I'm a fifty eight year old rookie. But he's old as fuck. Anyway, gets his professional career. Drafted in the eighth round. Now, he's behind Phil Simms and Hostetler on the Giants, but they get injured, so he starts three games. Plays a little bit. Sucks. Then he goes to Detroit for 1995. This is where I just blast through his career in 15 seconds. Uh, No action in Detroit. And now, for the Cardinals, he gets some time. For the Cardinals, he gets some time. Let's take a look at this. For the Cardinals, he starts 14 games. Yeah, and he goes 5-9. and nine, And that's for the shitty Cardinals, huh? Not bad. The second year of that, 97, they drafted Jake Plummer. So he's like the old man being like, let me show you the ropes, Jake. That was his role in the, uh, in the 97 season in Arizona. Only went 1-5 starting the second year in 97. But in 96, he goes 4-4. Four and four, And he had some memorable games in Arizona. We're going to talk about those when I get to the end of this shit. Oh, we're going to talk about it. Anyway, he goes back to the Giants in 98-99. Has an epic game. The soon-to-be world champion Denver Broncos, 1998. John Elway, you know, helicopter hit, whatever. Well, they go to New York and lose to Kent Graham, which I think by definition means Kent Graham is better than John Elway. That's my understanding hosting this show. Is that, you know, Kent Graham could have been as good as John Elway if he'd gotten a chance. They never get a chance. Fucking beautiful win, by the way. I mean, some Giants fans are going to remember this. Last minute, Kent Graham throws like a 50-yard pass from midfield to Amani Toomer, and they beat the, I think at the time, undefeated Broncos. That's late in the season. They beat him. A come-from-behind, game-winning drive, and he's got more of those. There's more where that came from. Anyway, uh, he plays pretty well. In 99, he goes 5-4, and four, but apparently his last two games, he wasn't that good, so they get rid of him. He's gone. Then he goes to Pittsburgh, where he battles it out with Cordell Stewart, and in five starts, he throws one touchdown and one interception. All right. Not a lot of risk, not a lot of reward. A sweet quarterback rating of 63.4. <laughs> Looks like a lot of screen passes from 2000 version of Kent Graham in Pittsburgh. And then in Washington, this is crazy. He goes 13 for 19 for the entire season. No starts. Two touchdowns, no picks. He has two game-winning drives, but they're only coming in reserve of Tony Banks, who gets 
murdered that whole season for Washington. It's like in he just gets crushed. Uh, and then I guess Kent Graham comes in a couple games and like works his magic. But the last play he has, he throws a shovel pass to Kajana Carter for like six yards. This is in 2001. The, the Redskins at the time beat the Cardinals. And then Ken Graham never throws another pass in the NFL. I think he was on a roster for Houston but never played. So he ended his career with a game-winning drive. And guess how many game-winning drives he had? And we want to take a guess with Kent Graham. Okay, I discovered something. I actually prepared for this podcast, which I haven't done for like four months. You're welcome. But Kent Graham, total starts in his career, 38 starts, nine game-winning drives from a guy who started 38 games. Now, just out of curiosity, who has the most ever comebacks? Oh, I looked that up too. It's Peyton Manning with 54 career game-winning drives, on 265 games started, which is about, you can do the math, once every five wins. Once every five starts, Peyton Manning has a game-winning drive. Okay, well, let's do the math. Kent Graham has nine game winners on 38 games started. That would be once every four games, which means Kent Graham is the single greatest comeback quarterback in NFL history, baby. I got the stats. Hell yeah. Did I just figure something out on this fucking podcast? Kent Graham could not be denied in the fourth quarter. And then I went back like a true sociopath and looked at every fucking YouTube video of every comeback he ever had. Every, strap in, bitches. Strap the fuck in for the Kent Graham roller coaster. 1994, Giants Oilers. Who do you think throws a touchdown in the last three minutes? 40 yards against those beautiful powder blue unis in Houston, that'd be Kent Graham, game winner number one. You fuck. All right, 19... <laughs> Sorry, no, hang on, I, I lost the page. Let me go back to the page. That one was in 94. All right, 95, he takes a year off. He doesn't want to embarrass anybody in 95. 96, though. The idiot Giants have let go of Kent Graham, the future of their team. So he goes to Arizona. He goes to the desert. Let's look at what he does here. That's in game number five, comes back against the Rams, throws four touchdown passes and a 31-28 to victory over the Rams. And you better believe it was Frank Sanders with 11 seconds left in the fourth quarter to tie it 28-28, and then they beat him in overtime. That's 96 Cardinals-Rams. Game winner number two. Game winner number three comes 10 weeks later, Arizona at Washington. The Cardinals win 27 to 26. What does he do? I don't know. I didn't write that one down, but he did something. They won. If I didn't write it down, that means like the running back took it in or they returned a punt. But who gives a fuck? It still counts as a game winner. You don't think Peyton's got some bullshit ones in there too? He does. They're not all like last minute passes. Come, that's, that's number three. Number four, we go to the year 1997. He's still in Arizona. He beats the Cowboys. Cardinals win 25 to 22. What, how did he do that? I wrote it down. All I wrote down was in the desert with Plummer looking on, which means I think I was watching a, a replay on YouTube and you saw Jake Plummer for a second, and I liked him a lot. So it was probably like another one where the defense did something. But whatever, he gets credit. That's number four. Number five for Kent Graham. How boring is it? How many people have been like, why the fuck am I listening to this podcast? 97, it's Cardinals at the Eagles. Now, this one hurt. But he quarterback sneaks it in with three minutes left, his first rushing touchdown of his career. That's comeback win number five. Now we go to 1998. The Giants have come to their senses. They've brought back 
Kent Graham. This is the one we already talked about. Beats the Broncos. It's 20-16. to 16. Giants win. They win on the last second heave to Amani Toomer. Beautiful touchdown pass down the fucking field. Now we go to 99. He's still with the Giants. Giants-Cowboys. Uh, oh, this was the screen pass to Tiki Barber. He's under amazing pressure. He can't move his feet because he's, he's an old bastard. So he drops it off to Tiki, who does everything, runs for 60 yards down to the two-yard line. They kick a field goal. They win. What do we got there? That's number seven. Then he does it, he does it to the Eagles again. Huh? This one's in 99. Throws it to Heath Mitchell to tie in the fourth quarter. They win it in overtime. Another clutch. Move to hurt my team. Then we go to our last year, and this really was the special one. This is in the year 2001, okay? This is, this is after 9-11. The country's reeling. What do they need? They need Kent Graham. <laughs> Washington's playing the Broncos again. He owns the Broncos. He owns the Broncos. Mike Shanahan sees Kent Graham ass-fucking him in his nightmares, all right? <laughs> 17 to 10, all right? What does he do? He, he uh, oh, so Tony Banks gets hurt. He gets murdered on a play. They just, somebody just kills him. And then, uh, yeah, Kent Graham throws two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. One to Michael Westbrook, a second one to Zaron Flemister. So happy to hear that name. I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I remember that guy, like third string tight end for the Washington football team in 2001. I remembered him. Skins beat the Broncos. And then later that season, he comes in for or Tony Banks, gets like pile driven on his neck uh, from the upper deck and is dead. Uh, he comes in for one play. Kent Grant comes in for one play. It's that shovel pass. Kajana Carter, eight yards, sets up, field goal. Washington wins. Come on. Nine. That's nine comeback wins for Kent Graham. I mean, who. Who doesn't want that? He, he's got 17 wins he, he, as a starter. He's 17 and 21 in his career in the NFL. But he has nine come-from-behind wins. I mean, who's the guy you think about? When you think about, I mean, considering he was on the Cardinals for two years, you think of Jake Plummer, huh? He's the guy he mentored for 1997. I looked up Jake Plummer, too. Jake Plummer has 30. Jake Plummer has 30 come-from-behind wins out of 132 starts. That's still a smaller ratio or a bigger ratio than Kent Graham. Kent Graham does it like every four starts. I don't know. I don't know what to say. The dude got it done in crunch time. Now, granted, a lot of these scores are like 13 to 10, 17 to 10. Like he seems like he was still not very good. Overall, look at his quarterback rating for his career. What does he fall to? Career. 69. Huh. Yeah, there you go, buddy. How perfect is that? More touchdowns and picks, though. 39 touchdowns. 33 picks. It's his completion percentage, 51.8. Eh, right, not so good. What are you going to say? This guy, if you're going to be a backup, this is what you want. You want to come in and win games like this, which is what he did. I love it. And I love those old Cardinals uniforms, man. I was watching his highlights, and I was like, when will the Cardinals bring back the flag of Arizona on the sleeve? You remember that? Remember they're playing in, like, a, they're playing in a really crappy stadium somewhere in Phoenix? 
and there's like dust on the field and they've got the sleeve of Arizona. I mean, just go back to what you were wearing. I would say the one thing that would look cool because there's a little bit of blue in the flag, do a little blue trim around the white numbers, huh? Keep a little bit of yellow because there's the beak of the cardinal. So, and there's yellow in the flag of the state. So just use like blue and yellow a little bit and keep the primary colors red and white and keep it simple. Cardinals go to one of the best uniforms in the league. It's not hard. Go back to the old shit. What else we got with Kent Graham? Yeah, he was in a he got a quarterback controversy with Cordell Stewart, which we talked about a little bit. Bill Cower apparently was almost fired. I didn't know this was almost fired for giving Cordell Stewart too many chances. So I think that's why Kent Graham started that 2000 season for the Steelers. And even though he only threw one touchdown in five games, that was it. They, he had to go back, or I should say, uh, uh, Bill Cowher had to go back to Cordell Stewart. But, I mean, I love I loved Cordell Stewart. He was, I think he was a little underrated. Anyway, that's, uh, that's Ken Graham. What's his personal life? His son, Taylor Graham, attended the New York Giants rookie minicamp in 2015. Obviously didn't make it, so that's that. But good for him. little, like, father like son. Although the son couldn't live up to the father, so, you know. That's not fair. Maybe Taylor's doing great things with his life. Taylor, if you're out there, anybody know Taylor Graham, son of Kent Graham? Let's get him on the podcast. I wonder if I'm going to have a real quarterback on the podcast soon. I wonder if that's going to come up later. I wonder. Keep listening. I might have an announcement later on. But let's not worry about that right now. We've covered Kent Graham. This dude, uh, hell of a backup. Fun career. Comeback victories throwing bombs with less than two minutes left on multiple teams. This dude was a badass. Tried to find him on social media. This dude is off the grid, all right? He is drinking his own piss in the woods somewhere. I could not find him anywhere. Or his son, anybody. The Grahams are not on the gram, all right? I cannot find them. Also, the name Kent Graham sounds like any white dude in the middle of the country. I can't find, I can't, there's too many of you. Too many Kent Grahams. So if somebody knows Kent, he had... Some fucking comebacks. Let's get to our next pre-planned bit, and then, uh, you know, more me bitching about my life. But for now, just enjoy the, the, the bit. If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast, because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to My Friends and Family Plug My Show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen, I hope you hear, and I do hope you support. Hi, everyone. It's Maddie and Smitty from the Sportsmanship Podcast. We've had Eric Helwig on before twice on our very podcast. I am Maddie, and my co-host is the president of the Eric Helwig Fan Club. I sure am. You are, Smitty. You are. You know where you become a member of that fan club? It's right at erichelwig.com. Yeah, going over there, check them out, rate and review, subscribe, buy some fucking merchandise. I mean, he's a hard up comedian. Yeah, join the newsletter, because I'm sure that's a real good read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do that. Five star review on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and do that. Follow it on any other platform you may listen to the Eric Helwig. Bring in the Backups podcast. And, you know, go see him on tour or whatever. Yeah, maybe we will, too. So you want to go to erichelwig.com. He's, he's sort of funny. 
Oh, thank you very much, Maddie and Schmitty, my friends on the Sports and Shit podcast. You know, since they sent that in to me, I did their show a third time. They had their year anniversary uh, for their podcast, which is hilarious. I'm going to recommend everybody go follow them right now. You can find them on Twitter at Sports and Shit. Actually, let me make sure I'm giving you the right one here. Yeah, it's Sports, the letter N, Shit, Pod. Find them on Twitter, and then obviously anywhere you're going to find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. They are really hilarious dudes and big fans of the show, so I'm sure they're listening now. Thank you guys for, uh, for writing in. And they, didn't, they said rate and review. They didn't say where. I'll say it again. Apple Podcast. That's where you got to do it. Apple Podcast is the place to go support the show right now. Get me some of them likes. I'm at to, almost up to 200, which is awesome. Uh, I don't know if something happens at 200. Probably not, but it'd be great to find out. So let's get up there. When this drops, I want to see 200 five-star reviews. Or, you know, throw me a one-star review. Change it up. (laughs) I don't even want to fucking joke about that. Please don't, all right? Five stars or don't say anything at all. While I'm on the list of thanking people, uh, I did some other podcasts. Larry Knows Sports, my friend Brian Packman, a.k.a. Larry the Athlete. You can follow him at... Larry the Athlete on Instagram and Twitter. Mainly Twitter, I think, is where he hangs out and posts most of his content. Brian's got a very funny show. I love going on there and talking sports. I think I'll be back on this week to complain about the fucking Sixers. Jesus Christ, don't get me started on that. Uh, Other podcasts I want to give a quick shout-out to. Philly Specialist, the Philly Specialist, Eric's. Eric and Salvato. The guy didn't give me his real name the whole time. He kept Salvato, so I got to sound like I'm in like a fucking mafia movie. But Salvato and, <laughs> and Eric, you can follow them at, at the Philly Specials. I just got in a huge fight with Eric about Nick Foles on that one. Like it was, it was like borderline. I thought they were gonna just hang up on me, but it ended up. I think it was fine. But yeah, if you want to listen to me, <laughs> almost get kicked off someone's podcast. Check out the Philly Specials. They're cool dudes. I also did Shall We Football with AJ Ryan and Colt, the uh, North Carolina boys. Some of them I think were from North Carolina or at least live in there. I think it was Colt who was from the Outer Banks, which I was always curious about. Like when I go to the Outer Banks, been there for like a couple weddings. I used to go a little bit more when I was a kid up to Corolla Beach, rent a house, you know, share a room with my brother, go to the, go to the beach, get sand in my taint. You know how it is. Fun. I love the Outer Banks. I, I thought it was great. I just love the beach. But I, but I was always curious, what's it like in a beach town when it's just you and the town, you know? I think like every, everybody leaves and it's just like the cops and like a couple people and they fist each other and that's that, I guess. But yeah, so I, I go on that podcast. I think I talked to Cole a little bit about that. <laughs> Not fisting the cops about, uh, you know. And by the way, that's a, that's a platonic fisting. That's not like a political statement. That's like everybody's having a good time. No, we talked about football and stuff. They, have, they actually have a really fun setup for the way they run their show. They have like a slide presentation for their YouTube page. So it just feels like you're in like a, a dirty TED Talk, which I really enjoyed. So check out Shall We Football. They're at SWF underscore podcast on Twitter. Also did the Grease Pole podcast with Corey and his producer, Justin. You can guess Grease Pole podcast. Well, I guess you couldn't guess that. It's a Philly podcast in reference to drunk dudes climbing on poles when the Super Bowl happened. That's what that's what I that's what I interpreted it as. Grease Pole podcast was fun. 
Uh, yeah, chatted with Corey a little bit there. And then I also just did the Browns Blitz with Rod Bloom and his brother Jeff Bloom. And we just talked about sibling rivalry, you know, which is, you know, a fun thing. I got a brother. I won't tell you guys where my brother lives. Can't trust you. I have too many fans, just too many rabid fans out there. You guys get that I'm not serious when I say that, right? I think you do. Anyway, Browns Blitz was a lot of fun with Rod Bloom and his brother Jeff. You can follow them at the Browns Blitz on Twitter. I gotta, I gotta do less podcasts, or I gotta do more episodes of my own podcast. So when I throw people a shout out, it doesn't take like forty fucking minutes. I did like six podcasts. <laughs> that's that's why it takes so long to give everybody their shout out. Anyway, thanks for having me on, everybody. I'll put all a link to them in the show notes under the YouTube video as well. So, yeah, if you want to support this show, a great way to do that is make uh, people that are supporting me feel the love. Right? Give them that bring in the backups bump. I guess now is a good time to make a little announcement. Next week on the show, I'm going to have an NFL quarterback, baby, Jabron Hamden, who if anybody here follows the Instagram page for bringing the backups, which you can, it's just bringing the backups on Instagram. Jabron started talking on a po- I posted a little photo of him saying he would be the starter in Washington. You know, a joke, obviously. Jabron's 40 now and been out of the league for 10 years. And I see a little guy named Jabron right under the handle. Is this real? And I'm like, no, bro, I'm just joking around. Are you real? Is this really Jabron Hamden? I went to high school with Jabron Hamden. He was a senior when I was a freshman. So, like, we got a little bit of a high school connection. He was in D.C. as a quarterback when I was still there in school. He got drafted by his hometown team. It's a whole thing. He starts talking back. I invite him on the show. Don't hear anything. I think, okay, he's just like everybody else, huh? Charlie Fry would talk to me. Charlie Fry talked to me and then never responded when I said do the show. I thought Jabron was in the same, you know, way. I thought he was going to just, I thought I was getting ghosted by Jabron. Turns out Jabron writes back. Couple days ago, I'll be your first. I'll be your first. The ma- magical words. Now he thought I was a virgin. He was offering to have sex with me. But once I clarified, I wanted him to come on my show. He said, "Well, I'll do that too." So we never hooked up, but we did do a virtual interview. It was amazing. That's going to be the next episode of the podcast. So hang out for that. Subscribe now wherever you're listening to this show. Next episode, you're going to hear me talking to an actual guy in the NFL. I'll give you a little teaser. We talk about stealing signs from Mike Holmgren. It was fucking amazing, everybody. I've been on cloud nine since it happened. That's next. That's two weeks from now. Subscribe to the show. I'll be advertising it a bunch. Do not miss it. Jabron Hamden, NFL quarterback, on the next episode of the show. The ultimate backup, by the way. Career stats are one for two for seven yards. I cannot fucking make that up for this podcast. I would, I would kick Tom Brady off of my new balcony to let Jabron up to do my podcast. I don't want Tom Brady. I want Jabron Hamden, and I got him. He's the big get. He's on the show. Check it out in two weeks. Subscribe wherever you're listening right now. All right. But let's just get to our last pre-planned bit and bring Anthony onto the show which is just so fucking exciting. I'm getting such great guests, man. Anthony's a comic I loved. Loved when I lived in New York. I used to book him on my show. Really funny dude. Also, I think this is important to tell people, a really nice guy as well in real life. Always struck. That was his reputation amongst the lesser, newer comics around him. (laughs) We'd all be like, why can't everybody be nice to us like Anthony? That was how we all talked. 
So it was really cool to get him on the show. I'm excited to have him on the show. Before we do that, third and final pre-planned bit coming at you right now. Bring in the backups presents Deep Breath, a practice of mindfulness and meditation. And a deep breath in, and a deep breath out. Take a moment here to cover your breath with your awareness, like a blanket. Now usually at this point, the word blanket would trigger me and take me away from my awareness of breath. But that's not going to happen this time. No siree, Bob. No siree, Bob. Why am I talking like I'm in The Little Rascals? Ugh, look, no offense to that show, okay? It's the last time a pit bull wasn't portrayed like a fucking wolf on steroids and coke. By the way, as far as shows go, I'll take a little pit bull helping out some poor kids every day of the week. You know what? I'll take my own pit bull, Gordon, over any of you that I haven't already met and enjoy your company. How about that? I am squarely in the dogs over people category. And will be until, I I don't know, until if I ever have a kid. I don't know. Life is its own journey. We'll see. But if I have a kid, you know, it'll probably go my kid, my dog, other adults. Unless my kid is uh, possessed, like if he's Satan. You know those horror movies where the kids kill the parents and you're like, just fucking kill your kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's Satan. God, I... If I come into my kid's room and there's a Ouija board on fire and he's floating above it with red eyes speaking in tongues, I'm drop kicking that little motherfucker out the window. You're back to number one, Gordon. You're back to number one. Not today, Satan. I don't like how horror movies make me feel. Woo! And a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Just breathe. Let's get to our guest, Anthony DeVito. Now you can follow him on Instagram where I think he's the most active, probably post the most stuff for shows he has coming up. So that's where I'll send you to, at Comedian Anthony DeVito. Now, if you're not in the New York area, for sure, support Anthony on his Instagram page. But if you are uh, in, like, the greater, like I said, New York, whatever, part of the world, on Saturday, August 4th, uh, at 7.30 p.m. at Union Hall, Anthony is putting on a show, My Dad Isn't Danny DeVito. Tickets are 15 bucks. He has the Eventbrite link up right now on his Instagram. So just go to his Instagram. It's in his bio. You can click it. If you guys are in the area, you should. Please go support uh, Anthony at his uh, his one-man show, which looks like it's going to be great. Again, tickets are on Instagram. I know you're all on Instagram. I mean, if you're not, fucking get on it. Gee, I don't know. Or get your wife to go on it. Let's be real. You're probably like, well, I'm above it. You know, you got upset after January 6th, <laughs> and you dropped all social media. I'm talking about, like, two of my friends. Uh, no, look, go on Instagram or get on someone's account who does have Instagram 
The Eventbrite link is right there. Check out the show. It's going to be awesome. The interview was a lot of fun. We talked about great stuff. All I remember, I was because I recorded the interview with him a while ago, and then randomly I found a picture of Jeremy Shockey online. It was like something popped up, and I remember that he briefly came up in the podcast. But uh, I just saw the photo of Jeremy Shockey's eagle tattoo, which I blew me away. I don't know if you haven't seen the tattoo. It's, it's like twice the size of an actual full-grown adult eagle on his arm. And it's, like, so American. Like, I'm a very American dude. I love America. I think it's a great country. It's hard to out-American me. You know, like, my dad was in the military, like, cry at national anthems, blah, 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 blah. But I looked at this tattoo, and I was like, dude, we get it. Jesus Christ. This is, like, a little overkill with the fucking eagle tattoo. Like, it's literally, it's got, like, a flag in its beak, and it's fish-hooking Osama bin Laden. (laughs) The Eagle's dick is like the new World Trade Center. It's insane. It's too much. Whatever. Uh, why am I doing bits? Let, let's get to the interview. Like I said, Anthony, uh, great guest on the show. Had a lot of fun. Support him on his social media. And most importantly, enjoy the interview right now. But I'd like to do it. it. Just marriage seems so easy to get lazy. There's no end date. It's just forever. <laughs> marriage should be like politics, where every couple years, your partner votes. <laughs> To keep you in there. Because then I'd check the date before I farted. I'd be like, ooh, better hold it in. It is an election year. Um, yeah. You know? I want to be a two-term husband. Uh, despite what the polls say. Uh, my mom, she's super conservative. And uh, I'm not. But uh, I think it's more our age difference that we differ politically. She's 73, I'm 36. We're concerned about very different things. Like her biggest fear are Mexicans. Uh, And my biggest fear is she'll say that to someone. That is every day. I'm like, don't, don't, come on, no. Not in front of Javier, he's a good guy. You gotta get to know him. (laughs) That's why I think each age group should have their own president. Just to address the needs of their people. 20-year-old president's like, yeah, the price of tequila shots are too high. (laughs) 30-year-old president's like, oh, why won't anyone marry me? 40-year-old president's like, oh, is it cool if we fuck the 20-year-old president? What is the wiggle room there? Because I have done it, so... uh... How you been, man? It's been a while since I've uh, I've seen you. Yeah, man, I've been good. You know, I've just been uh, you know in Queens basically the whole time. So uh, you know, it's nice. Things are starting to get back to normal, which is great. Yeah, we. Uh, so I lived in Queen. I lived in Astoria for five years before we moved right. out to the West Coast. Right. And uh, yeah, so we went back to visit because my my wife's family's in Long Island, and we were walking around. This is like a, I want to say like. March or something and it felt like Astoria was still a thing like people were wearing masks but it was like the crowds were busy as shit it was very different from LA where it feels like a ghost town 
Yeah. So, so I, don't, I don't know Yo. if that's been your experience, but like it felt like New York still had a shit ton of people on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Astoria, definitely. Astoria, I mean, Astoria was on the news a bunch for like hookah lounges refusing to <laughs> shut down. <laughs> but no, I mean, you would walk around and it looked like spring break. Like I was. Yeah. And that, you know, like that's your only window into the world. And I was like, oh, we're fucked. Like there's it's just a bunch of 20 year old Greeks just trying to finger each other. I was like, we'll never get at it. There's no way. It was, it's so interesting. Like I, I, I took my wife's immunocompromised. So we were like, you know, mm. super serious about it for sure. And then I got vaxxed and I did a comedy festival in Ohio and I was, it took me like a day to be like, I feel weird for wearing a mask. Like they were like yeah. maskless fisting each other, like just over <laughs> yeah. it so much. And then we, I came back to California being like, all right, I guess it's time to start booking live shows. And it was like the exact opposite. People here were like, I love my mask. I haven't been sick for a year. Like just. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause you, it would be the exact opposite, you know? Cause in New York, if you saw someone even outside for a while without a mask on, you would be like, how dare you? But yeah. if you were in, if you were in Cincinnati indoors at a bar with a mask on it was like who are like i don't trust this person who are you? you're not an american yeah, like, i guess i'll take um, it off then yeah yeah it's it, it yeah. was it was a weird it's definitely like a it's like a it's such a social compliance thing i feel like even if you have like really strong feelings of it if you're hanging out somewhere where everybody else feels the exact opposite you're just yeah. like i'm just gonna blend in here <laughs> like, yeah. i don't feel no. I don't feel like getting my ass kicked one way or the other. Like who either side, I feel totally. like, yeah. Well, that was always a conundrum. I would say as a guy, it was always like, do I get COVID or do I get called a pussy? <laughs> and uh, what am I willing to take? Two weeks of not being able to smell or taste or just uh, some people in the room that I don't know thinking I'm a coward. Dude, uh, I yeah. feel like that's the that's the question for everything as a guy is like, do I hydrate myself or be a pussy? Right. Do I totally do I do accept I do therapy as the a way? Betterment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I do anything to help myself or do I risk <laughs> being called a pussy? It's so sad. There's an old movie uh, that was on ESPN. This is like I uh, must have been like a kid. And it was about Bear Bryant, but before he was at right. Alabama, I guess what it was like some Texas school he was at, and he sure. was doing like a football preseason camp in the, the summer in Texas. Right. And it was like, the movie could have been called, If You Drink Water, You're a Pussy. Like, that's literally what the whole <laughs> plot of the movie was. There's like kids like almost dying of heat exhaustion. Like, that's totally. like, you're tough if you don't drink water. And it wasn't make, the movie wasn't like making a point about how fucked up that was. It was like, Right. Look at how great this coach is. <laughs> Look at him not letting these pussies drink water. This is how yeah. football is played. <laughs> that lineback- that teenage linebacker is going to die of dehydration. <laughs> what an honorable way to go. Now put your put your CTE-less helmet on <laughs> and in- yeah. <laughs> go play the game yeah, the way God meant. It's so stupid. They played in like leather hats. And they were just like, this was a time when men were men. And it's like, what, stupid? Well, you know, like, there's a reason why we've come to a different place. Like, we've all agreed whatever that was back then was reckless and irresponsible. And the people that long for those days, I'm always like, man, try being alive in those days with who you are now. You would never. You would no. be like, this is terrible. Like, New York. I mean, I remember I grew up in New York. 
Uh, I mean, I grew up in Jersey, but I grew up in, you know, around New York in the 80s and 90s. And nobody went here because it was so dangerous. <laughs> and then you have people that move here from like other places um, now. And they're like, man, I, I wish Times Square wasn't all M&M stores. And it's like, yeah, it used to be burning buildings and prostitutes. And you couldn't go there. <laughs> It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, you see. <laughs> Are, where where in New Jersey did you grow up? I grew up in Bloomfield in North Jersey. So, okay. uh, very, very Italian neighborhood. Sure. Um, I lived in Jersey for two years when I was a kid. My dad was stationed. Uh, he was in the Army. So, we were at this place right. called Fort Monmouth, which I don't think exists anymore. Okay. But I know it was, I know I went to school in Red Bank one year, which was yeah, like okay. really hoity toity. Yes. I don't even know where in the state that is, though. What is that? Like, the, I know it's on the uh, coast. It's so, Yeah, it's like central South Jersey. You might okay. get in a, some arguments with Jersey people about if that's considered central or south. But uh, Red Bank was always known, uh, I mean, known for a couple things. At first, it was known for its uh, beautiful fireworks display. Okay. Red Bank was at the forefront of fireworks. And then at some point, they just stopped inventing. And no one knows why. <laughs> For a while, they were doing things with fireworks like Gandalf was doing in Lord of the Rings. They were making shapes and animals, and, and everyone was like, oh, my God, Red Bank, they're pioneers of fireworks. And then um, for whatever reason, they just they they stopped inventing. And then uh, Kevin Smith is from there, so then it kind of got put on the map because of that. Dude, so, yeah, so uh, the movie Dogma, where they're fighting right. and killing people outside of that church. So yeah. I went to a Catholic school my second – like. My second year, I was in a public school the first year, a private school in the second year. I don't even remember the name of the school, but sure. that was the school from the movie Dogma. Okay. Yeah, yeah I know so exactly it's like, what you're talking about. Yeah, like it was a very, it was a beautiful church. And I was I, like, did they get permission to like shoot this move, this anti-religion movie like right on the step? I don't know how they got that. But it was like, I just remember, like, I was an altar boy in there, like, lighting candles and shit. And then I see it in a movie, like, 15 years later, like, I think I went to fucking school there. So, right. I, don't, I don't know, somebody signed a document they weren't paying attention to. Honestly, man, Kevin Smith was such a, he was the face of New Jersey for so long that I kind of think he could, I think, he, for a while, he could do whatever he wanted there. Um, yeah, he's the king of was, Jersey. Yeah, man, because he was that was on the heels of clerks and mall rats. And, um, you know, people let Chasing Amy go by as if that wasn't like a, a two hour romp about homophobia. Um, he was so popular. And then, you know, I like Dogma. I'm actually a big fan of that movie. Yeah. But, um, you know, that was uh, before he did, you know, I think a couple. You know, I like the first Jay and Silent Bob. I think he might have done another one that bombed and maybe Jersey Girl, if I'm not mistaken. So that's when he kind of people looked at him uh sideways but before that he was uh regarded as a genius and he was from new jersey which is always exciting um, was jersey so, yeah. jersey girls the one with ben affleck and Liv tyler right i believe where, like, in george carlin yes yeah I, I vaguely remember a scene where there's like ben affleck's wife is dead yeah and he's like i haven't had sex in in eight years some ridiculous and <laughs> right and, and and Liv tyler's like i'll suck your dick now and he's like my kid's downstairs <laughs> like that's the scene <laughs> It's like yeah. he fucks with his kid in the house or something. I think that's the. <laughs> yeah. I think that's Jersey Girl, but I never saw the movie. Uh, interesting, but that you just you know a whole scene from it though. I, what do you I, mean? I don't know. It was I don't. I have no idea why. Maybe I was just googling Ben Affleck. I wanted to catch up on. I don't know, man. Seems to me like you've definitely seen the movie. I mean, it was. I, mean, I actually have it on Laserdisc. I just pull the camera back. Yeah. It's, it's playing behind <laughs> yeah. me. Never yeah. seen it, man. 
Yeah, I actually, I don't, I don't remember. I remember seeing that movie because I that was a thing where I don't know if you were like this, where I would watch pretty much any movie that a stand-up comedian was in, and then yes. George Carlin being like one of my favorites, I was always just so excited for him to be doing other things. And I think that movie wasn't bad, but I think it wasn't good enough and it was after a string of like maybe bombs that it kind of cemented him as like oh he's bad now you know like m night Shyamalan kind of got that treatment a little bit too have you ever re-watched uh the sixth sense after you know the twist did you ever watch it a second time no i i don't think i i <laughs> i'm worried that i might not want to you know? why, why why not it's will you everybody look i spoiler alert if you sure. haven't fucking seen the I mean, sixth sense yet crazy yeah when you watch it knowing he's dead it's not a scary movie anymore. It's right. like a, it's like a tragedy, and it's about people not talking to each other. But me and my wife, wa- <laughs> me and my wife watched it, and we're like, "This is really fucking sad." When you know what's going on, it's like it really works on a different level. So, I know that he gets, I know he gets hate because he's made twenty shitty movies in a row. But that movie's yeah. brilliant. Like I, that I, movie's brilliant. And uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, I don't know if you had another. You were going on a tear of M Night movies. I remember there's one where like the plants are killing you. The happening. That's kind of where he lost it. Um, and it's, I would argue it's not a terrible premise, but it's just the execution of it. Yeah. The idea is like, okay, we've been horrible to nature. So at some point nature, nature needs to protect itself because that's what nature does. So they develop yeah. these toxins, which kill people. And we're the people that's causing nature to die. It's not a terrible premise, but when you see it in action, you go, ah, this is stupid. This is a dumb movie. <laughs> I remember. But I would argue, I oh. loved Unbreakable, man. I'm a big Unbreakable fan. Unbreakable is good, yes. Yeah. Uh, I do like that movie. I saw, um, oh, fuck, the one where the uh, Joaquin Phoenix and the aliens. Signs. Signs. Yeah. So I remember wa- I watched that as a kid and was like, this movie is so scary. The part where the alien walks by the kid's birthday party. Yes. If you rewatch that movie now, it it really, <laughs> really is not good. The alien's not scary. It's just looks like a it just looks like a droopy gumby dude. Yeah. And then the whole end is like the aliens can't the water hurts them. Mm-hmm. And so like and then Joaquin Phoenix picks up a baseball bat and like remembers his mom drinking water and then starts smashing water glasses to kill the alien. It's like you could just throw water on it. Like, yeah. Some, well, that does he well. That because when his wife was dying, if I'm not mistaken, when Mel Gibson's wife was dying in the car accident, when she's pinned she against said, the tree, yeah, yeah, it's a little crazy. She goes, uh, swing for the fences. So he puts it together in that moment that it means he's got to beat up this alien with a baseball bat, like a like a snitch, like the mafia would, a guy they're trying to shake down. <laughs> it's not even a metaphor for anything. Swing for the oh, do you mean just no. beat the shit out of the alien? Okay, got it, yeah. The idea is that there's signs everywhere and you just need to look in here, which is also a dangerous way to walk through life. If you're if you now go, well, that premise is real, then it's like, well, everything is a sign and you could do horrendous things in the name of fate. Oh, man. M. Night. I didn't know we would go on a tear for uh, going against my man down to talk M. Night. I, I didn't I didn't hate Lady in the Water. I'll say it. I never saw that one. Is that it's, like another fucking octopus movie? Because I feel like there's a lot of those lately. 
I mean, it's a sea creature-ish movie, but um, it's he was the problem with Lady in the Water is if that had come out like three movies before, it would have been pretty good. But at that point, everyone had written him off so badly. Everyone like was like, let's see how bad this guy will make a movie. So no one was going into that movie on good faith. People were going into that movie like, I hope I hate this so much, dude. It's so like how you you can frame stuff like that. I mean, not to this will be a little transition into sports but it's like you talk about like quarterbacks who like something like Blake Bortles people like he fucking sucks dude he sucks and it's like he doesn't suck like for he beat the Steelers 45 to 42 in a playoff game took this team to the championship like he had solid numbers I know some were garbage time but like he doesn't suck he's probably like the 30th best quarterback in the league (laughs) like that doesn't that's not terrible like he should have a job but it's like you just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Even like, I don't know. Did you pay attention to the Kwame Brown stuff? Oh, sh- oh man. Um, it's yeah, the, that it's was just the best. Greatest. It's mwah, like it makes me so My happy. God. But like, <laughs> it's yeah, like I, I, dude, I was in DC in 2001 right. in high school when right. he got drafted. Okay. I remember dogging on him with all my friends, being like, this guy fucking. Like a six foot eleven dude wouldn't beat the shit out of me if he saw me in real. Like, I, <laughs> big man talking, <laughs> talking smack to Kwame Brown. But like, yeah, he was in the league for 13 years or something. Like, totally. Like, life-changing money generated for his family. Like, how the fuck is that a bust? I think when um, – and you're right, man. He – for what it was, he had solid numbers. Also, it's like when you're taking a guy out of high school, it's such – it's so crazy that any of them ever worked out. Yeah. If you're taking a guy out of high school <laughs> and then he's got to play with Michael Jordan, <laughs> just a 40-year-old psychopath <laughs> at the time. Uh, it is amazing that any of these guys, um, you know, uh, are able to have a career – I, I can't imagine myself being plucked out of high school and all of a sudden I'm on the road with grown men who who know, know nothing of fidelity, you know? Yeah, but, um, yeah. Kwame Brown, man, uh, uh, going back to that, I think it's when you're the when you're such a top pick. Like Blake Bortles was a number one pick, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, he was. And Kwame Brown was a number one pick. So when you're that high of a pick, the the um, – People just react so differently because they have this idea of what you're going to be in their heads. Um, and and it's like, well, Kwame Brown, it's like, there's no footage, man. There's just high school footage. Man, he's just he's dunking over guys like me. And you're like, I don't know. I hope he's good in the end. There's like an eight millimeter <laughs> reel of, <laughs> of yeah. dunking on Anthony DeVito. And they're yes, like, take man. him one. He This guy's the future. Yeah. Yeah. Look what he did to this four foot eleven Italian kid who's got no business being out there. Like, what made you think it would ever work out? So the fact that he's I mean, Anthony Bennett is the case for me that I'm like, that's a bust to be because that, you know, he had a year in college, I think. um, And then his career, it's there's barely a stat line there. It's 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 rough. But Kwame, yeah, for what it was, he had a decent career. Yeah. And I also think it's like I, I try to reserve bus for, like, someone who I genuine, genuinely think fucked up their own career. Like, right. versus, like, someone who, like, okay, maybe they were just evaluated wrong or... Right. Like, someone like Jamarcus Russell is... I think sure. it's fair to call him a bust. Did you ever see the thing where he was trying to come back with Jeff Garcia? No. So sounds, he... So, sounds horrendous. <laughs> so funny, dude. It was like... I, I can't remember what his last year in the NFL was. Who 2010 or something. Yeah. And then... uh in like 2014, it's like this little YouTube miniseries you can watch. It's like eight, a couple episodes long. 
And uh, Jeff Garcia is training him. He loses like 50 pounds. He's like, I'm getting back in the NFL. I'm putting it back. I'm restoring my name. I'm working my ass <laughs> off. The, right. the, the video series ends with him being like, all right, it's time to go meet some teams. We did the work. I'm in. And then a week later, there was like a settlement from the Raiders where he got $20 million and he never was heard from again. Like he was like, all right, no, I got what I needed. But the- yeah, man, I get it. I always pull for those guys, those athletes, uh, especially the high picks or like um, they had so much notoriety in college and they they make this big push to make it like I think like Lawrence Phillips might have done that. Maurice Claret might have done that. Oh, I'm yeah. always pulling for those guys, even if I, I don't. I mean, I went to University of Miami. I, I you know, obviously, like. I have a strong disdain for Maurice Claret, yeah. but anybody who's like, you know, that successful at the college level, I do want to see it work out for them. And it almost never does. So if, I'm trying to think you're, I, I'm assuming you're, I'm 35. You're like around my age. 38. Mm-hmm. So was your, I'm try, was that like Ken Dorsey? Was that the quarterback yes. when you were there? All right. Yeah. It was uh, Dorsey, Jeremy Shockey, McGahee, um, uh, Sean Taylor. Oh, yeah. It was uh, was a bananas team in terms of talent. And the best was they were so so talented and so athletic. And Ken Dorsey, like there were moments I saw him walking around and I would go, I think I could beat up our starting quarterback. <laughs> he was just this lanky. Rail thin, man. Rail thin of a guy. Um, but um, yeah, man, they were amazing. I used When I used to play uh, intramural basketball, I used to watch uh, Vince Wolfork's uh, child um, in between games. Very nice guy. Yeah. Good. yeah. The, the kid was your age? Yeah, he was, he was about 22 years old. <laughs> um, and, you know, we would just talk about chicks and stuff like that. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, dude, uh, th- that is a that was a crazy hurricane scene. I guess did you? I'm trying to remember. It was at Miami, right, where McGahey like his knee exploded the wrong direction. Yeah, that must have been I, when I, you were there. I don't. I think that's the. If I'm not mistaken, I, I think that's is that the Ohio State game that that happened. It was like it was like a. I feel like I want to say it was like a playoff game or a, yeah. it was like something at the end of the season where he was about to go to the NFL. Yes. It yeah. was uh, I, I, that's one of those videos to this day where I can't watch because you just you see his leg, Ugh. you see his leg flip around. That's one of those where you go, how does he walk again? After yeah, that? yeah, dude. Let alone be an, uh, a competent NFL player for years. Um, no, he was. Yeah, McGahey, uh It was nuts. He used to be in line in front of me at uh, the food hall at Chartwell's and he used to get more chicken than I would. And I, uh, <laughs> I had growing resentment for that. <laughs> And then, oh, they uh, would hook him. You're saying they would hook him up? Hook him up, man. He would get like, I, I would, it was so obvious because I would be behind him in line. And, and, you know, they would give him like 15 pieces of chicken. And I would be like, all right, now where's, where's my 15 pieces of chicken? And I would get like two duds, not even a good part of the bird. Um, you like a burnt nugget. Yeah, basically. I, but yeah, one fry. They would, I would be like, this isn't even chicken, ma'am. This is a French fry. They'll be like, we'll be happy with you. What you got? Um, See, I went. I went to a small school. I went to a, a school called Christopher Newport in uh, Southern Virginia, and it, the, the athletes they didn't even have athletic scholarships. It was D three, right. so it was like they would have to like put them into like leadership program, like just bullshit, <laughs> so they would not have yeah. to pay to be there. Oh, totally. But the, even never, even yeah. the athletes at that level, which were like not that much bigger than me and they're basically playing like the school for the blind or something. Like it was not like right. a real college atmosphere. Even they ruled the campus when I was there. Oh, yeah. So if if you're like someone, I don't know, I can't imagine. I didn't go to a big school, but like those dudes must have just fucking run roughshod. 
Oh, yeah, man. I mean, like, the UM basketball team, I mean, they've had some players over the years, but, like, they really weren't ever much to really talk about. And uh, Darius Rice went there, who is Jerry Rice's, um, I think, nephew. Man, I never saw that guy carry a book once, <laughs> and I'd see him all the time. <laughs> Not even a pamphlet. <laughs> Not even a piece of paper. <laughs> Not a, a single pen. I never saw oh him with God. a solitary pen. Yeah, man. Sounds no, like a they good would life. run. I, I also I was a theater minor and I had this there was an offensive tackle in my class this guy Eric Winston who's highly touted um, I think I'm not sure if he went to the NFL or not he's from I, I believe Lubbock Texas and uh, he he took a liking to me and um, he was my scene partner for stuff. and man it was I think there was like one one thing we we it was uh man we had to do this scene and um i don't know i thought it was so funny to like uh, you know you know when you're just like do stuff when you're like oh this is for me and there are no rules and it'll all be fine um where uh he we did this scene where um i i i whenever they would be like do the script i would go we're never gonna do the script so him and i would just improvise stuff and uh, man, we did some horrendous scene <laughs> that was like, yeah, we should have. I don't know how you fail someone from doing a scene in class, but we should have easily. But I think we got an A just because it was like I was attached to this offensive tackle. Um, maybe he has, yeah, they, and maybe he has a career in acting. Who knows, man? Like it, maybe that un, that could have unlocked something in his spirit. Perhaps, man. Yes, he had a good sense of humor. I'll say that because uh, he <laughs> it was so funny because we had to like go around the room and like you had to like say something clever, you know, you would do with these handcuffs, you know, and like most people were like, uh, you know, made it somewhat sexual. And I was like, I'm more interested in the nightstick for sex. <laughs> Pop that sucker up there. See what happens. And it bombed horribly. Nobody laughed. But then Winston looked at me and he went, this guy's funny. That's my guy. And then from there on out, we were like, uh, we were scene partners for the whole semester. That's nice, man. I had a, I took a journalism class where one of the football players was like sitting next to me. We ended up partnering on a couple like stories that we had to write together. Right. And he had a, I was like in school to be, I wanted to be a sports journalist when I went to college. Right. I, I literally went to a school where I could cover the football team my freshman year. Right. And uh, he got a better grade in the class than I did. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I knew right. what I was doing. He was, he was literally just like repeating back whatever the teacher said and like writing these very basic articles. I was writing like I like had like great lead-ins. Like I knew sure. I was a fucking sports editor for my high school paper. And I yeah. ended up I ended up not doing journalism. I was so pissed. Because Dude, this... when it gets down to the Christopher Newport level, it's like <laughs> this is uh, out of hand, you know? Because in Miami, I would be like, man, you'd go to the school store and you would see all the jerseys that I see people wearing across the country of athletes that go there. And I'd be like, yeah, they bring in so much revenue to the school. Why make them go to class? That's in, that I, yeah. I get that. But man, when it's down to Christopher Newport and a journalism class, things have gone off course. Dude, it was I, I, I wish I, if there was one thing I could redo in my life, it would have been going to a big school like Miami. Because, like, I, I hear fun, when people talk about, like, I mean, I love college football. Like, I love sports. And, like, yeah, I got bored. And I and right. I was covering the team, and I got bored with it by my sophomore year. I was done. Because it's like, yeah. what? It's like there's it no was, there's really no stakes. Like, nobody cares. Right. It was pretty insane to see, like I said, like, you would watch ESPN, and I would see, I would see the guy that's in line in front of me getting chicken on television all week it was really <laughs> nuts to be like we go to the same school it it's so much pressure it's so much pressure to think about like that 
Yeah. Like, like you, I, you think I watch it now. I mean, it's an old. Uh, I think feel like it's like a Ray Romano joke or something about like when you're watching sports and you're in your 30s, you're like, you're the man. It's like, no, you're the kid. You're yeah. 15 <laughs> years younger than me now. But like, yeah. especially when you watch college sports, you're like, that's somebody's fuck. I'm just screaming at somebody's kid. Totally. I'm screaming yeah. at somebody's kid through the TV. When like, what was I doing when I was 18 years old? Like, yeah, man. When <laughs> when like you know, 50 year old, 6 year old guys, analysts, they're like. They're they're ripping down a kid who has visible acne on his face <laughs> about what like how mentally he's like not ready. It's like yeah, but he's a nineteen year old kid on Accutane. What are you crazy, dude? It's the it's the Kwame Brown shit. Like n- yeah. now that he's said that, I feel like it has kind of shifted the way I will forever talk about sports because I I, I would stop making fun of people like that just because I was like at a certain point it felt mean. Totally. To do it, but not because they were kids. Just like as an adult, I'm like, hey, okay, we're right. piling on at this point. But n- you go back and look at Kwame with acne. He's 17. He was 17 when he got 17 drafted. 17 years old when he got. And Michael fucking Jordan is calling him a pussy yeah. and making him like work out for two hours before the game while he barks at him through a loudspeaker. <laughs> You're like, this, <laughs> this. How did this kid not kill himself when he before he was 20? Right. The fact and that I he had you. a yeah. career is insane. Yeah, and then people go like, "He's a pussy," and it's like, "No, Jordan should have been like arrested for that." <laughs> like, I think that's like, I don't know if he does. He still count as a minor? Like, I think that's child abuse. Dude, it has it's, to be something. It's you know what it is, man. Like, I don't know. I, I I've had a my grandmother's Mexican, so I'm sure my right. my half of my childhood counts as child abuse as well. So it's like anything back at that time would qualify as that. And right. the answer is yes. Michael Jordan should have been arrested for how he spoke to Kwame Brown. That's yeah. somebody else's kid. A hundred percent. A minor like that? <laughs> what? what a lunatic. Yeah, I love this. The Kwame Brown resurgence, man, it couldn't have happened in a better way. An hour in, just an hour interview while he's smoking hookah, <laughs> just talking about how Matt Barnes is soft. <laughs> man, it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, my God, man. He's... and. The fact that anybody would come would clap back at him at this point when he's scorched like ten different people, like incredible. Any, anybody, yeah. if he's like, I'm not a big fan of like you know somebody tells you to apologize and you apologize. If it's Kwame Brown, I'd be like, dude, I'm sorry for whatever you think I did. But like, I fully please. <laughs> I have a wife. I have a, I have a family. Yeah. I wonder too if like some of that's jealousy because it's like. Dude, he's the first pick in the draft from high school. Like, I, I remember reading a book about, um, I think it was at the the season where the Heat lose to the Mavs. Uh, I forget what year that is. Maybe like 2011, I want to say, maybe 2012. Uh, yeah. When they lose to the Mavs in the finals. And, like, there was a, this chapter about LeBron and how when he first came into the league, you know, he's instantly the best player on his team. Yeah. And it's a team full of grown men who have to now answer to this 18, 19 year old kid about basketball. So it's like, it's so isolating and there's so much resentment. And I do wonder with like someone like Kwame Brown, if like you do have like, you know, it's like Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, like, uh, well, Steven Jackson was from high school as well though. Right. But, I think he was. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're probably older guys at the time. So you have this sense of like, Man, not only is this kid the number one pick in the draft, he was he's coming from high school. It's like we hate this guy, you know, and it's yeah, a, yeah. and it's so it's 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 so um going against it's so antithetical to what you're trying to do, which is win by burying your your number one pick who's in high school Dude, <laughs> a year ago was going to his prom. It's such a it's such a 
It's such a dysfunctional thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's also like I, being somebody from D.C. and knowing how shitty all their professional sports teams are run, basically, yeah. with maybe the exception of their hockey team. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like it's just like bleed through from this. The fact that they're called the Wizards. It's like it's yeah. hard to take anything seriously that they do. But like, yeah, coming in and letting Michael. I remember one of my favorite memories was we were because like whenever. <laughs> Once Michael was like, I'm coming back, the Wizards were on, like, 40 national games. Like, they went from, like, you never saw them to they're the only team you can watch on TV now. And it was like he had a breakaway, and he went up to dunk and just bricked it, like, into the fifth row. And sure. the, the feeling of, like, oh, like, the sadness yeah. that people felt. I was a Sixers fan. I was like, that's probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think I might want to be a comedian. If Like, if that's... <laughs> I should, as a sports fan, I should be sad, but as a comedian, that is objectively hilarious to watch an entire yeah. city realize that he's fucking 38 years old and is not that good anymore. Yeah. Visibly out of shape. Like, yes. Just like, I mean, he looked like James Harden with two weeks off. Just <laughs> fat. <laughs> I remember I saw one of Jordan's farewell games when he, he, he went to, I think it was like the last time he was going to play uh, at Miami. And they not only, I mean, they retired his jersey and like, you know, everyone knows that. But they presented him with a piece of the flag from 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. He literally had to go to mid to a half court and take this tattered piece of flag from 9-11. Oh, man, it was so strange. And what was funny is there was like there was like a, a the wife of a 9-11 victim backstage. They're pulling it away from to be like, we, yeah. we forgot to save some for Michael. This needs to go to Michael <laughs> Jordan for all his efforts in basketball. <laughs> it was so nuts. Dude, it's um, it's we love our sports, man. We're we're a sports driven. Uh, we're not even that. It's like a, it's celebrity more than sports. It's just like once know. someone's a celebrity, it's the fact that celebrities get free shit is hilarious. They should get charged more because they can fucking afford it. Yeah, of course. It's just the rich getting richer kind of thing. Yeah. But I would say we're I think the pandemic was definitely like we are definitely at, at least like I, I think because so many guys watch sports like the beginning of the pandemic when ESPN had no games to broadcast. They were just playing. They were showing Kevin Durant playing NBA 2K <laughs> against other basketball players. And it was kind of a thing where I was like, oh, that's how worried they are about men with idle time. <laughs> Like they like they're like man, keep them occupied. We do not know what they will do without sports. Man, just show them Kevin Durant playing Fortnite. Just keep them busy for God's sake. I was I was like I've never seen more transparency about like how much I think society relied on men having sports in their life. It's really it really is like I think for I mean like I'm from I'm from all over, but my dad's from Philly, so I'm a Philly right. sports fan. And there's something about, like, particularly, like, East Coast cities where I think so much of, like, the feelings you don't talk about to a therapist that you don't want to go to <laughs> yeah. go into how the Ravens are playing. Like, it's so totally. so much of that is what sports is. And if I feel like if you don't have that, like, you're, what you're saying is true. Like, your energy could go anywhere. Like anywhere. I, I was doing a uh, – uh, I say yes to every podcast that has to have me on. So I was doing, like, a conspiracy right. podcast recently. And there's, like, two co-hosts, and one of the guys is, like um, – I was, like, uh, are, are you guys into sports? And they were, like, no. And I was, like, here's why you're not, because there's only so much room in your head, and you filled it up with, like, the melting temperature of, like, steel. Totally. 
So you're not going to know anybody. You're not going to know anybody that plays in the Dolphins. <laughs> like, sports serves a very important, important purpose in the world, which is to keep people fucking sane, especially people who yeah. don't know what to do with their feelings. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a safe zone for it's a safe zone for feelings. Um, I love. I mean, basketball to me, it's like the ultimate. Like after I do sets for that night, it's something I can kind of turn my brain off and just enjoy yeah. in a very dumb way, like the same way like an action movie, like I, I you know is just enjoyable from that standpoint. Or even like you know you like you have just like pop music where it's just like this is just it's serving its purpose. And I don't know that that's something I got till I was older. But um, now are yeah. you? So if you're from Jersey, does that make you a Nets fan or a Knicks fan? It's weird, man. Uh, I Well, when I grew up, the Nets were so terrible that nobody was a Nets fan in Jersey. <laughs> um, and then the Knicks, when I, you know, Michael Jordan was the biggest guy when I grew up. He was, uh, he was a childhood hero. So the Knicks would try to beat him up. So I was like, well, I can't root for these guys. They're the bad guys. So I had to just become a fan of basketball at large. And I tried at one point in my life to be a fan of the Charlotte Hornets just because they had uh, they had LJ, they had Zoe, they had Muggsy Bogues. Like, they had these great youthful characters. And, like, Muggsy Bogues was so small, and I was small. So I was like, he's like a beacon of hope to play basketball. Um, but then, you know, I, we <laughs> there's no way to watch Charlotte games. <laughs> So that I just I had to discontinue being a fan. So I really was just like a giant fan of basketball. And then when I got to be older and in college, the Nets got kid and they started to be, you know, really good and go to the finals and stuff like that. But no, when I was younger, man, I it just used to be the har- the hammer, Armin Gilliam, just putting up like 19 and eight at night. And we would be like, this guy is our best player. <laughs> it's the uh, dude. Well, so I went I went to a couple Nets games when I was a kid living in Jersey just because like the tickets right. were seven dollars for seven dollars. You could oh. play in the fourth quarter <laughs> if you show up. Yeah. <laughs> I went to uh, I mean, this is obviously before I moved to L.A., like even just going to Nets game, even after they moved into uh, Barclays Center. Barclays, yeah. I was like, the tickets were still so cheap to go. Still like cheap, yeah. Yeah, and I remember I went to one Knicks game that I like. I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna spend whatever it was. Spent like ninety dollars to sit in the like the highest fucking seat you could be at in MSG, and they do like the little celebrity cam during all, and it's like everybody's there, everybody's there. At the so Nets cool. game, the first Nets game I went to, the only celebrity was Weebay from The Wire. And they were on him for like three minutes, and people were like, "Weebay!" And I'm like, "Dude, I look, yeah. I love Weebay. I love The Wire. If he's your only celebrity at the game, you guys have some outreach to do." But like yeah, for so now, funny, yeah. For now, for the Nets to be like clearly the best team in New York, and also the team yeah. that like has the trajectory to be great for a long yeah. time. I mean, I don't know that that's got to feel good for somebody who watched them suck as a kid. Yeah, it's interesting because I really I hold no I really don't hold any. I mean, I've lived in Queens, so I feel because like in New York, you get so tied to your borough a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've really ha- I don't have any affection for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I mean, obviously, if they were in Jersey, I'd be through the roof. But um, I, I think in general, too, just because the team is like so put together of just these like mega stars all on the court together. But I, I wanted to say one thing. You mentioned uh, Weebay from The Wire, who's his name. Uh, it's Hassan. And I forget his last name. Johnson. I, yes. Well, yeah. I sat next to him um, 
when I worked at MSG, um, I sat next to him basically courtside um, at, a, at, a, at a game. I think it was like a Nick Celtics game. And he wasn't even on the teleprompter. Yeah, you know, like because in front of him was like Tracy Morgan, <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Fallon, and somebody else. So that's so funny because he's like a great guy and he's like so he's like super cool. Um, we sat next to each other at that game. He wasn't even he wasn't even a thought to put on the teleprompter. But yeah, at a Brooklyn Nets game, he's like he hope my he might go up twice. Wait, second how, quarter and fourth quarter. How, where were you guys sitting in MSG when you were sitting? Literally, next Literally, it was like celebrity row, and we got the tickets through MSG. It was Sam Morell and myself because we had a show on MSG at the time. So it was celebrity row. We were in the second row. So like Tracy Morgan was right in front of us. Um, I forget. I he he kind of takes up a he sucks a lot of the air out of the room. So I don't remember who the other stars were, <laughs> but there were at least like two other stars. Maybe Charlie Cox from Daredevil. And then it was Hassan was sitting next to me with his boy, and we were we were having a great time. But it was very funny to be like, yeah, like because Sam at one point was like, maybe we'll get on. I was like, there's no chance, man. They're not even putting Weebay on. There's no <laughs> chance. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Nah, um, what are you, but the the I'm garden? Sorry, it's just so much fun. Like, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. It's the it's I. It's got to be like top five all time venues to watch a a sporting uh, sporting event. One that's underrated is because I went there a bunch, but my dad went to West Point, so I used to go up to oh, okay. Mikey Stadium. Yeah. Easily the most beautiful college stadium I've ever been in. It's like overlooking yeah. the Hudson Valley. It's got like all the monument shit right there. Like that's, a, that's an underrated spot. Yeah. yeah, we would. I mean, for UM, when I went to UM, they played in the Orange Bowl every weekend. And like people would talk about the Orange Bowl with romance. It was the most rundown. Like it was like the you could see the wood falling apart <laughs> as you walked into the place. It was it smelled like a basement somehow, even though it was an open air arena. It was it, it was incredibly rundown in a, in a way that was impressive that it was still standing. Yeah. Did it was it- like a Coney Island roller coaster. Yeah, like they, the unsafe ones. Did they? Yeah. Did they end up? They took the Orange Bowl down. I'm assuming, and now they play at like yeah. the Dolphin Stadium, right? I believe so. Yeah, they yeah. were a pro player for a little while, and I haven't really kept up in terms of like uh, you know, I like stadiums change hands and things like like that. But uh, yeah, um, but it was nice because the Orange Bowl was kind was downtown, so it really did. It was the heart of Miami. Like you would go to a game, like you would pay to park in people's driveways. Like there were like, oh no. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Hi, I'm Eric's wife, Liz Galales. Seeing as how Eric's internet crapped out during an interview again, and he's in desperate need of some segue to cover up his embarrassing mistake, I figured I'd take this time to plug one of my projects. When Nature Calls with Helen Mirren is a new show premiering on ABC this Thursday, June 24th at 8 p.m. It's like a really funny, neat, no, I fucked that up. You know what I'm realizing about this is the fact that you're in a show with Helen Mirren sounds like this is just a bit. Like people don't think that you're you really on a show with Helen Mirren. So this is not going to read as a real promo. Just use this. Just it's tell- a real show, people. It's a show called When Nature Calls with Helen Mirren, and it's going to be on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. And it's uh, I, I've had a typo in my script. Uh, it's like a nature documentary, but it's funny, and the animals talk, and you might just hear a familiar voice. Me. So watch When Nature Calls with Helen Mirren, ABC, Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Back to the show, back to the interview with Eric and some dude. I'm assuming it's a dude. 
total sausage fest, yeah, this I like, podcast. I like that you went back to the script. I went back to the script. <laughs> I'm a professional. Look, this episode drops on the 22nd. Your show... On the 24th. On the 24th. Yeah. So yeah, for real, everybody support Liz. Just watch the show on ABC. ABC, yeah. primetime. And then just tweet to Jimmy Kimmel and be like, good stuff. Why Jimmy Kimmel? I don't know. He's on ABC. Yeah, Isn't I guess he so. King, he's like the king of ABC. I don't know. All right. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Back to the interview with Anthony DeVito. That's the guy. That guy. A little disrespectful to I my guest. I love that guy. You love that guy? I do. Name one thing Anthony DeVito's been Football. in. Football. Football? He's been in football. You think he's a football player? Oh. No, that's the other interview that's for two oh, weeks I thought from that, now. I thought this was the... I thought this... Oops. No, Anthony I thought you were a, editing the interview where you got the backup quarterback. Do no, the people know you have a backup quarterback? They don't. This will be the... This, this is the announcement. Way to... <laughs> you can cut this out. Anthony DeVito is a comedian from New York. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anthony DeVito, great guy. All right, great. Uh, watch Liz's show. All right, now back to my interview. Bye. Fuck, dude. Fucking shit. Yo. I don't know what happened, man. It was it was going fine. It didn't even show my internet crapping out, and it just fucking turned off. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That sucks. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it, I also don't know if it was, it was, blame it on me. Who gives a shit? That sucks. I know it easily could have been my end. I I don't think I've ever done a, a podcast that's gone off without a hitch. Usually, there's some kind of major hiccup up from me, so don't worry about it. Did you guys? Uh, I know you had the Rad Dude Cast for a while, but it looks like you guys that's transitioned into a different show recently. Yeah, so we stopped doing the uh, podcast, and not in a bad way. We had just done it for so long um, that it just kind of naturally reached the end of its course. And then Greg has kept going with his own podcast. Got and it. I think Brendan's also going to be doing his own podcast. Uh, not me, man. I've got no ambition, so I'll be doing nothing. But <laughs> well, I um, saw you. I saw you have a solo show coming up. That's a yeah. thing. That is what I'm, that's, yeah, exactly what I'm working on. August 14th at Union Hall in Brooklyn. <laughs> Come see my dad, isn't Danny DeVito. It's very good. Are you, uh, are you planning on doing more than one date or you got like the one and then you're going to see how it goes and take it from there? I, yeah, for right now I have the one. I will probably be trying to do it more regularly. Hopefully, uh, Union Hall complies with that and people come out and, uh, because I've done, I was doing it a decent amount before the pandemic started, and then um, you know couldn't do it anymore because of the pandemic. So um, no, my plan is to do it a bunch and then hopefully get a theater run in Manhattan somewhere. What's the vibe it, of the show? The vibe of the show is um, a lot. It's kind of a hybrid of uh, I would say stand up storytelling and then like a little bit of drama. Only so much that I'll allow myself as a comedian. Um, but uh, I tried to do it more like stand up, but it just doesn't cater to um, what the show is about the best. Yeah. So it's I would say it's more of a it's it feels like a stand up telling a story more than anything. I guess I think that's maybe the best way to put it. I think striking that balance is uh, it's hard, but I trust a stand up more than an actor to do it. No yeah, offense to totally. actors, but I feel like actors no. are like, we can skip on the funny part. They want the uncomfortable yeah. drama and like the comics are like, let's get to a fucking laugh. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that's, yeah. that's a show that I'm like, I have more confidence in enjoying to be honest. Yeah, no, you it's know. definitely funny first in any dramatic moments. They have to be there. Cause people have told me that you have to put this in and you can't make a joke about it. 
or they're like uh like a happy accident like i stumbled upon a compelling moment um while yeah. i was trying to like make it funny but yeah for the most part it's funny yeah and it's i mean look i used to do i back in the i i did improv for way too long to uh sure. be proud of it and i remember i was doing improv and then i was still too scared to do stand up so right. i started doing storytelling for like 6 months and was like story yeah. it's like there's no responsibility for the jokes to land. Like it just, yeah. no, this is just a dramatic part. Yeah, it's like yeah. a, it's like a setup and then drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what fun is that? <laughs> you know? Who is this for? I, who is this for? Yeah. I've, who is this for? Like zoom comedy shows are like the storytelling oh. of the pandemic. I feel yeah. like it's, I don't, Man. I feel like we're just indulging the performers, but not even that, even like this, not to go off on zoom comedy. It's almost like a hack thing at this point. But like, I just I just don't know who is excited when they know somebody on a Zoom comedy show to be like, oh, I'm gonna see him tonight. Oh, great! I'll see. Yeah, I'll see him in his bedroom. Uh, <laughs> like awkwardly speak. The rhythm is so strange. Zoom is. Oh my god! If I, I, I mean, we did so many Zoom podcast episodes. Like that's also what we were like. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we were. We are done. <laughs> that was enough Before to Zoom, end it. Yeah, dude. Four Zoom episodes a week. I was like, I think I might be done with uh, podcasting forever. <laughs> I'm out of the whole genre. Did you guys? I'm assuming before the pandemic, you would like get together and shoot it live in this or record it of live course. in the same room. Yeah, it's just yeah. Even with this podcast, I've been because uh, I started it during the pandemic, so there's only right. three episodes I think where I I felt comfortable having somebody yeah. over. But now I'm getting out of it and I'm booking guests and they're like, so we're doing virtual, right? And I'm like, fuck no. Like if you, yeah, if you live in Canada, like if you're away, yes. But if you live in right. LA, get your ass over to my house and yeah. sit across from me like a human being. Dude, I would much rather, I would, I would, I, if I was in LA, I'd much rather sit in horrible LA traffic to do a live podcast with you than turn on my computer and do it over Zoom. It's just, yeah. it's so not the same. Um, it's like I feel I wonder if the pandemic has changed the way some people think about human interaction like like I've seen maybe, a lot yeah. of people unironically post about loving their mask and I'm like right. what, what, fucking what would you be turning your neighbors in in Soviet Russia what kind of person is like I just I just like covering it up like this no. sucks. You, we all should. I thought we were on the same page of I can't wait to burn these motherfucking masks. Of course, man. The fact that we some had to do this. Yes, dude. <laughs> like, who's who's unhappy that we're going back to normal? It's just, uh, it's insane, man. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. What before we get off the podcast? Because I, I feel like I, I don't even know where we were at before my internet crapped out. But I said an hour, so I don't want to keep you too long. Oh, no worries. But um, what are your – so what are your teams? Are you the same way with basketball, with all the other major sports, or do you have any teams that you do root for? No, I mean, I am a Giants fan. So Giants, I'm not right. as, uh, um, I guess, thorough of an uh, NFL fan than I am as an NBA fan. But um, the Giants, uh, Devils, obviously. I, I don't the watch Devils. a lot of hockey, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they're there. And then um, – I can't really think of any. Oh, baseball. I was a huge Yankees fan growing up, but then like I just stopped watching baseball because at some point I was like, this is very boring. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of people kind of come to that conclusion with baseball. Uh, I so do. I've started to frame baseball as like 
it's it's a thing to do with somebody you enjoy being with. Like I went, I sure. actually went to a Dodgers game with a buddy last night. Live baseball is very different. Yes, that's one of the best experiences in the world. Yeah, like live baseball, you go with a friend, you go with a girl you're dating that you've been on a couple right. dates with, and you're like you can talk to. And then on TV, baseball's for I have to do my taxes. <laughs> I have to put up soundproofing in my fucking yeah. office. Like you just, you have a task to do. And then you just yeah. sometimes look over and see a 30 year old man scratching his nuts standing in the outfield. And you're like, all right, yeah. they're still there. It's so like, it's, there's so many fucking games. They're so long. It's, I, I really compare it to when you're in New York and you're just sitting in a park, people watching. Like they're not, yes. with the exception of the catcher who's working his ass off and the pitcher. Everybody else is doing nothing the oh, entire yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, just standing in grass. That's what <laughs> you're just doing. Yeah, no, I actually think that's a good way to frame baseball, which then actually, it seems relaxing when you put it that way. Yes. Um, the way you said it, I, I kind of was like, maybe I'll turn on a baseball game next time <laughs> I have to like dust my ceiling fan. <laughs> it's, it's perfect, dude. It's perfect for passing time, and like you really feel like, yeah, like if I if my buddy was working in an office job and I was just like, hey man, I'm just gonna come with you on Monday and watch you send emails. Yeah, and like I'm gonna <laughs> look, I'm gonna stare at you while you pour coffee and just have nonsense talk at the water cooler. I'm just gonna hang out and yeah, like baseball, wear this wear this jersey. <laughs> total man, they yeah. need baseball needs to be smart enough to rebrand itself as like a meditative app. You know what I mean, <laughs> dude? Like. That's what they keep trying yeah. to do. They keep trying to be like, how do we speed up the game? We got to speed totally. it up. And it's no, like, no, embrace what you are. Embra it's what hockey, it's hockey's fucking up because yeah. hockey used to be, hey, you know what we do whenever we have a little problem with each other? We <laughs> fist fight on ice skates. And then yeah. we go take a little time out, get a snack, have some water, get over right. it. And yeah. to be honest, I think all sports should let players fist, point, fist fight at some point in the game. It feels like the most honest way to like deal with an issue in sports. Yeah, just lean into the thing that you are. Baseball is the slow sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If anything, slow it down. Yes, dude. Yeah. Have five hour games. More innings. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> dude, yes. And have like Yeah, I mean they they should serve like breakfast, lunch and dinner at baseball stadiums. Yep. Between innings, the uh, the PA announcer should lead the stadium in a breathing exercise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I agree, man. Yeah, do the thing that makes you stand out. Yes, hockey, it's it's fighting, and then it's that fun little timeout that they make adults, <laughs> grown men, <laughs> sit inside a box. <laughs> it's the most on. It's the it's the most honest because uh, like other sports, so cool. like people will like get in each other's faces, but you know they're not going right. to do anything, or especially in the NFL, they're wearing a helmet. But in hockey, they just like gentlemen, like totally. people that used to duel. They would just be like, "Oh, our gloves." They take off their gloves. They're not fancy <laughs> gloves. They're big, right. smelly right. hockey gloves. Yeah, they fight. Somebody wins. Split it up when it looks like someone's about to die. Yep. It's like it's it. it's so it's so I earnest. Wish. There's something earnest about a hockey fight that doesn't exist in any of the other sports. I wish it did. No, there's a decorum to it. There is a, there's a, there, like you were saying, like it, it follows the procedural elements of a duel yeah. where there, it's very much like we're fighting. Once the fight ends, I'll go to my little box. You'll go to your <laughs> little box and that'll be that. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. 
That's you, why, like soccer, it's like everyone gets on, you know, soccer for either being slow or the flops, and it's like, man, start rewarding goals for flops. <laughs> start giving points away. Like, yeah, do the thing that everyone hates about your sport and just ma- like maximize that as much yeah. as you can. Yeah, I remember uh, uh, hockey was like, it's hard for people to see the puck. I'm like, camouflage the puck. Yep. Like, make it impossible. Make it, make, yep. it, make it smaller and make it ice colored. So, yeah. <laughs> so that only the hockey players can see it. Yeah, man. That's a great idea. That's where Fox went wrong, where they used to try to, they put, they would put like a flame around the puck. <laughs> yeah. But even, the, even they couldn't follow it. Like, that would be, I remember that when they had the, the puck flame. It would get lost in the corner or something, or the guy would have a stroke and just pass out, so the flame would just be yeah. blinding someone in the audience. If you watch the movies that came out during when Fox was doing out, the technology was not there yet. <laughs> that they, they had the balls to think they could pull that off. Oh, man. Unreal. Oh, my God. Look, dude, I, I want to I wanna get you out of here because we're, we're coming up to an hour. But before, sure. before we hop off, tell my listeners where they can follow you and, and what they can do to uh, uh, support you. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at comedian Anthony DeVito. Um, that's where I post uh, most of my stuff. And then if you want to come see a show, I usually put them all on my website, anthonydevitocomedy.com. And if you're in the New York area, man, come out to my solo show. My dad is in Danny DeVito on August 14th at Union Hall at 730. Appreciate you doing the show. Of course, man. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, man. See ya. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're currently listening because in two weeks we have NFL quarterback Jabron Hamden right here on Bringing the Backups. If you're currently listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, do me a favor and leave a five-star review as it's currently the best way to support the work I'm doing. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit the notification bell. And if you'd like more info on the show or how to see me live, go to erichelwig.com to hop on the newsletter. Thank you so much for your support. Make sure you're here in two weeks to hear Jabron Hamden right here on Bringing the Backups. We'll see you then.